Welcome to the Women of Marvel podcast. This is episode 76. This is Judy Stevens, producer. This is Sana Monath, director of content and character development. And welcome to the last podcast of 2015. We accomplished so much. Yeah, we did. And it's a party because we have three extra people adding to our podcast today. We're very excited to be talking to two lovely ladies from ESPNW. Why don't you introduce yourselves? I'm Allison Overholt, editor-in-chief of ESPNW. And I'm Jen Holmes, the deputy editor. Sorry. And we also have uh, one of our own from Marvel here, Ricky. Yeah, I'm Ricky Purden, uh, talent relations manager. AKA the token boy yeah. in the house. <laughs> really special to be here. You should feel special because I, many men at Marvel are like, why is Ricky doing no, this podcast? I mentioned it to some people earlier and they were like, what? I have to talk to Sana later. Okay. <laughs> I, I got yelled at already yeah. about this. So make sure you take this with you I and do. be very Thank proud you. of this. I want to put moment. it on my uh, resume going forward. Good, yeah. as you should. Yeah. <laughs> so today, uh, we really want to talk about Impact 25. Um, but before we get to that and sort of what that is for those who, who are not so in the know, we want to talk about what ESP, ESPNW is. That's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Only for you, Judy. Yeah, you'll she learn, you'll she learn that speak. I make up words as it yeah. goes along. So, But why don't you talk a little bit about you know what, what ESPNW is, what you guys like hope to do. Absolutely. So ESPNW is ESPN's media division dedicated to growing the female audience. Uh, so it's focused on being a voice for women who love sports. Um, we talk a lot in our editorial meetings about leading the conversation for women who love sports. So that's fans of all sports, women who live an athletically inspired life, women who love stories where um, female athletes are central characters. We're, we're really putting the spotlight on women uh, front and center in all stories related to sports. And you're not focusing just on like female athletics. This is really just in general, if you're a fan you're happy to be a woman, you're a fan of sports, this is a place for you to go. Exactly right. Because I think the history of sports media puts the emphasis on men first, um, whether that's sure. fans or athletes and, and sports leagues. So, you know, finding a way to be able to give voice to all the ideas and opinions that women have, um, to, to be able to say that when you're talking about the fan experience, you're also including the experience of women. Um, you're looking at stories where women are the focus and the central character instead of being kind of the the appendage or the add-on. Right. Um, it's just a different lens and a different prism on sports. And what are your respective roles at the company? Um, so as editor-in-chief, I oversee content uh, for all of ESPNW. Uh, our daily website, which Jen will talk more about, Jen's sort of our, our leader, our day-to-day -day on, on our ESPNW.com website. We also have social channels. Uh, we produce partner content with our magazine. Mm -hmm. um, we produce a lot of video series that end up airing in different formats on television. We produce films. Um, and we have an annual conference, the ESPNW Women Plus Sports Conference. And like Allison said, I oversee a lot of the day-to-day -day running of the website. And that's just kind of managing our team senior editors, associate editors, designer, uh, social, and kind of, I, you know, I run our daily editorial meeting, but also, you know, when things come up, when news breaks, when 
the Giants and Panthers play, and they're throwing slurs at each other that all kind of insult women. It's like, well, you know, people have opinions about that. So, awesome. you know, so today we, like, for example, um, two of our writers wrote different columns on the same topic, and we kind of, like, wove them together in a nice little package. Cool. Um, but then just regular, our regular coverage of women's sports, and so it's kind of, as Allison said, a prism that we can not only cover women's sports, but cover sports through, like, the angle of how women are watching them. So, um, well, let's talk a little bit about, like, Impact 25. I feel like it's a good segue as to where this mission or where this project came came about and um, how long it's been around for and what ESPNW's thought process was about having this type of list. Because you guys do this every year, right? We do. This is our second annual. Okay. Um, it actually evolved from a project a few years ago called the Impact 10. Okay. Um, and at the time, it was a list of, you know, the 10 athletes, I believe they were all athletes at the time, um, who had made the greatest impact for women in sports. Um, and once the project was done, it was beautifully done. It was you know, 10 features that aired on SportsCenter, a beautiful section of the ESPNW website. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of it, you know, the, the team was thinking about, well, how do we get to do that again? Um, because if you sort of leave it in that framing of um, you know, the, most, the 10 most impactful female athletes, how often does that list change? Um, do you end up sort of falling into this zone of greatest of all time, in which case, you know, it's, what, every few years yeah, that you right. have somebody who knocks someone else out? So last year we decided to reimagine it, and, you know, people really embraced the idea of honoring and recognizing great accomplishments. So we knew that we wanted to keep the list. Um, we also knew that we wanted to make it bigger. And so we said, well, instead of limiting to 10, um, we should start introducing more names so that there are more sort of characters and, and stories in the world of women in sports that people can become familiar with. So we went to 25, and then we were looking for a rubric for how to organize it. And we mm-hmm. said, you know, we got to limit it to just the calendar year so that you have that fun and excitement of every year saying, you know, who made it to the list this year? Right. Who, who got knocked off right. the list this year? Um, and then we started talking about how to break it down into categories, and we landed on athletes and influencers. And that allowed us to say, okay, in every calendar year, what's the group of athletes who made the greatest impact on the field of play? So people who just did incredible things literally within their sport. Um, And then a second bucket was influencers. Um, And that allowed us to start recognizing uh, the contributions of of people who in roles like coaching, ownership, activism, government work, you know, all these other things that could really be impactful for women in sports but weren't necessarily, you know, on the basketball court, on the soccer field, what have you. Um, The interesting thing is it also opens up the possibility of recognizing men. Um, because what? yeah, uh-huh. so we didn't end up we didn't end up on the list this year, but last year, you know, Magic Johnson swooped in at the last second and you right. know bought the Sparks, which yeah. is the founding right. franchise of the WNBA, so huge. Um, Gino Ariyama had his fourth, mm-hmm. um, uh, or sorry, his tenth um, NCAA tournament win at UConn as a women's basketball coach. Right. Um, so you know, we were able to really recognize men who have been hugely impactful for women. Um, so it was great. We had a group of 12 athletes, 12 influencers, and then we crowned a woman of the year for the 25th spot. And that was Becky Hammond, because last year she was finishing up a legendary career as a player. And then right as she retired, she gets named first ever woman to coach in the NBA. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so it just felt like, you know, she was crossing both categories. It was perfect. It's great. And then coming into this year, we said, all right, you know, this this Impact 25 rubric is working for us. Let's let's do another another round. And this is decided all like in house. It's you guys. Who, who's the, the the committee that decides? You want to talk through the process? Yeah. We actually had a voting sure, process yeah. that was part of it. Yeah. Um, 
so it was a core group that would kind of talk, you know, through a lot of people nominated names over a period of time. People from our group, mostly. Like, you know, when we talked about the no men made the list this year, Greg Popovich came up, mm-hmm. you know, because not only last year, but then, of course, the um, when Becky coached the team in Summer League, it was like, well, okay, like, he's still doing great things, but he didn't make the cut. Um, so we basically, like, would throw out names. We had a huge list of names and then kind of whittled it down to, I want to believe, 25 per category and then sent out that list of 25 per category to a group of people inside ESPN, influencers in the industry, um, some people who had attended our summit that are kind of plugged in to what we're talking about. So it was probably, I, I'm forgetting the number right now, but it was a pretty, pretty It was about 40 group. plus people. Yeah, so essentially at the end of every month this year, you know, we put out an ask to our group and said, you know, let's let's make sure we don't have a recency bias at the oh, end of the yeah. year. This where, one, yeah. you know, right. you started thinking like, oh, it's just the people who I th- thought about in the last month who yeah. are the most exciting. So every month we kept adding to the list of possible people who really felt like they're making noise. Um, and then, as Jen said, coming up on, on October, right, when we were starting to work with you guys, um, we had to organize it into this survey. And so we had yeah. about 40 plus people comprised of our editorial team, um, other internal ESPN editorial folks and executives, um, some retired athletes, folks from our summit, people on our advisory panel. Um, and so the voting was one part of it um, so that we could get a real sense of, you know, where is the prevailing sentiment. And then we had a big internal powwow and it was really the, the ESPNW mm-hmm. team, you know, debating full on for right. several weeks. And then we came down with our final list. Was it aggressive? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Mostly from me saying, you guys have to decide on a list because Marvel needs to start drawing. I know. <laughs> it was, we, we get pretty fired up sometimes. So wait, why, how did Marvel become, how did we become part of this conversation? So credit Jen right over here. Jen worked with your team yeah. years ago, I think on ESPN's first collaboration. I used to do. So I used the to, NBA, yep. the NBA collaboration. I used to, yeah. where right. Alice and I actually met at the magazine, and I worked at the magazine on uh, NBA. Mm-hmm. And with Otto Strong, we did the covers when Marvel drew all those awesome covers for the NBA teams. So I just came back to ESPN in June. Allison lured me back. Yes. And um, she said, oh, <laughs> we've we do done this that thing. for a long time. Yeah. Come on, Jen, you know you want to do this. <laughs> so um, Allison was kind of giving me the lowdown on all the properties and all the things I need to start thinking about. And she brought up Impact 25. And it was around the time of the discussion about Black Widow and about how none of her action figures were out in Target and all these other things. So I kind of was noodling, like, how can we do this? And I was like, you know what? Like, I wonder if Marvel's thinking that they could use some positive kind of oomph in the direction of talking about women and strong women and superheroes. Because, I, you know, as you do on your podcast every week, you talk about things that Marvel's doing with women, whether they're characters or internally or whatever. So it was kind of like, what about if we turn these folks into superheroes. And at that time, we hadn't decided whether they were going to be all women. Or we, hadn't, we didn't have the list, but I was like, was this could be super cool. Moment. Yeah, it was kind of like when something's happening in the zeitgeist and you're like, this could be really awesome. And we're and, both yeah. big you know, superhero yeah. fans. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of funny because I was actually out in Burbank at the time, and we've been working on some partnerships with other parts of Disney. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was actually on a Disney backlot on my cell phone talking to Jen. We were like, doing our catch-up. And I was, like, pacing outside one of the Disney buildings, and we were talking about, you know, all these things she'd been thinking of. And I was like, what can we do this year for Impact 25 that would make some noise? And Jen goes, 
do you think the people at Marvel would ever consider drawing our list? And I like literally stopped in the middle of this back lot, and I was like, oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> and I went running back inside, and yeah. Laura was in there with Rachel, and I was like, what do you guys think? What do you guys yeah. think? And they're like, yeah, see if you can pull that off. You don't have that yeah. much time. And I'm like, but it'd be so cool. This yeah. would be amazing. Well, I remember yeah. when we had the initial first conversation about this happening, because John Cirilli, um, who is our VP of like content on the digital side, um, came to us with this idea, and it kind of just, you know, it synced into place for me, and I was like, yes, of course, this totally aligns with everything that we've been doing for the last few years, especially with Women of Marvel, and um, a lot of the initiatives that I work on, on the editorial side, um, so for me, it made absolutely perfect sense, and uh, the first thing that was on my mind, I was like, this is not only a great way to sort of obviously celebrate these amazing athletes and influencers, um, but also a way for us to sort of show off the mm-hmm. amazing female talent that we have. Yeah. Make a real um, statement. A huge statement. Yeah. You know? And a big statement about sort of the power of um, of the female form, too, in mm-hmm. all these different ways. They have such diverse talent mm-hmm. that we're dealing with. So it's really incredible kind of joining those different forces. Um, and yeah, we were about ready to, you know, full-on onslaught. We were literally asking anybody we knew, like, who can you introduce us to? How do we get in? How do we just convince them? And then it was amazing because we had one phone call with you guys, and we got yeah. off the phone, and Jen and I were like, is it really that easy? Like, yeah. It seems awesome. Actually, it seems yeah. like they completely get what we want to do, and they're yeah. so fired yeah. up. And Well, it's interesting that you bring up the whole, when you brought up the whole Black Widow thing, because yeah. for us on our end, like, these are the things that we've been working on totally. for so long, is we're yeah. working on, like, mm-hmm. celebrating the female superhero mm-hmm. and reminding people that we have so much content and product out yep. for young girls, young women. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the Captain Marvel decision, all of that all was of happening that. in the culture this yeah. year. It's yeah. happening, and we have so much great, like, comics that are about these really powerful mm-hmm. female heroes and people it's just not out in the mainstream yeah. yet and that's what we're trying to do is to engage those audiences mm-hmm. and to remind people hey by the way we're out here just come and play with us just yeah. come on in so well, and that's definitely happening more so now well, we, we, it, I think ESPNW has a similar struggle yeah. and yes. people even in the media when we did this project you know they would identify us as ESPN right. and yeah. you know just talking to people they're like oh ESPNW that's a thing yeah. uh, you know so um, it's like yeah it, or people will criticize that no one is covering women's sports and we're like hello right. yes, yes we yes, are absolutely. so it's kind of similar like you're doing a lot of great stuff there's just not a lot of public visibility of it right. so yeah. well I want to yeah. actually want to put a pin on that because that brings up another yeah. interesting point that we want to talk about a little bit later but um, bringing Ricky in to the conversation <laughs> I the whole time I'm I know He's been the creeper in the corner watching us talk. Um, So we enlisted Ricky to um, come and start helping us like envision like what these um, what these heroes, what these they are heroes. What they what they look like and the whole process. And Ricky is um, our talent manager, and so he deals with all of our artists and creators, um, and is the first person to think of in terms of you know who is the appropriate artist for um, I don't know. Name me a, a nothing I'm gonna cover for, for yes. something. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, when I told Ricky I desperately need your help, he freaked out a little bit. <laughs> Just for a second, it, because the timeline was. Was was specific. You need what by when? I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. How many of those? Th- Thanksgiving was going to be in there too. Yeah. But but like then it was like. 
this is going to be a lot of fun, like figuring out who's available and who will look right on on which athlete or influencer. It was it was kind of exciting. Well, Ricky and I are also like <laughs> sports stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> it was sort of an, just like we're admitting this to you guys now yeah. because it was an embarrassing conversation that we were having between the two of us when yeah. we were trying to talk about like. What certain athletes would be holding on to? Yeah. What did I call what, it? So what sports tools? Sports tools. What sports oh, tools? Is this, <laughs> yeah. is this the Jim Welter? Yeah, this yeah. is a soft This is when you player. should have come and knocked in my. No, there was plenty of people yeah. who were overhearing this conversation we're and were pissed off at us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> we're not knowing this. Yeah, we should show that. the blooper art, which is like <laughs> different people holding the wrong stuff <laughs> in the wrong backgrounds. The wrong yeah. stuff. Yeah. Stuff. It's sports not stuff. Equipment. Yeah. Stuff. equipment. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Round sports things. Tools. I like that. We should start today. What is a swimmer's sports tool? A, a swim cap, probably. A, so, yeah, I guess Goggles, so. maybe. Water, <laughs> yeah. Water, mostly. So, uh-huh. yeah, so we had many embarrassing conversations. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, Ricky started culling down the, the list, the actual uh, talent list. Yeah, getting getting the list of um, reasons why certain people were on the the nominee list helped a lot to kind of visualize, I guess, the main the main visual element, I guess, that could that could be wrapped up in these guys. So if someone uh, played basketball in America and Russia, the Globe could help us um, represent their role in sports this year, that kind of thing. So that was really important, figuring out exactly why people were on the list. And then... That was the part that I loved when we were having that interaction on email, like mm-hmm. you helping us figure out what was it about their story that could end up representing their power. Right. Well, Diana Taurasi was really... one of the toughest ones, yeah. I have to say. Yeah, yeah. And cause you, because it's so easy for that that single visual story and a single image to be misread. Mm-hmm. So right. if you use the wrong props or you use the wrong color or you use the wrong kind of art, it can be read differently. So that was one of the challenges, too, in casting the artist for this thing was figuring out, um, do you want someone who can draw a muscular woman? Do you want someone who can draw a slender woman swimming through the ocean? Do you want someone who can draw the power of someone like Misty Copeland dancing? Uh, figuring out all, all those strengths in the influencers and athletes helped us uh, pinpoint what artists who had the same strengths in their work. So uh, it was a nice marriage of stuff, I think. At first, it was kind of like you just want to draw the women strong with their arms crossed looking off into the distance. But but there was so much more to why they were all on the lists um, that helped us kind of figure out what the what the pieces would look like. Yeah, and I think telling the story of their powers is the most like fascinating part because that's yeah. really how you create heroes exactly. in the Marvel Universe. Very, very similar. Is like thinking about who these characters, who these individuals actually are, and what makes them powerful, you know, actually and metaphorically. Yeah. Um, and it worked quite easily. I was amazed that when we were doing back and forth about the creative discussions of what it was going to look like, right. it felt very smooth felt, to me. And yeah. I was wondering, from your perspective, what that, but you know, how does that compare with other creative processes you've been involved in? Yeah. No. It's 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 pretty similar. You guys you guys jumped on board fairly yeah. quickly in terms yeah. of getting the, the rhythm of it, which yeah. I was very impressed Although with. Although, it's funny because we're all sitting like, oh, what's so smoothing? And I could have sworn that there were times when if Ricky saw my name in his inbox one more time, he was going to just explode. No. no, I loved it. And you were so lovely throughout the whole process, Actually, especially like... Thank you. I told Sana, I was like, I'm really short in these emails, but it's only because there's oh, 400 no. emails. That was <laughs> very impressive. Okay. I was also impressed because, you know, we would we were trying to streamline the process for you guys, and so Laura Gentili, who's 
our, our vice president, was involved in some of them. She wanted to see them and was also giving creative feedback. So on our end, you know, Jen would often send to both Laura and me and would facilitate a conversation and she'd have all this feedback from us <laughs> and she'd have to condense it to get yeah. it back to you guys. And I was always impressed that she could get feedback to you guys in two or three sentences and I didn't feel like she was losing the essence even right. if Laura and I yeah. had like vomited all through our email. Like, <laughs> and then there's this and this idea and that idea. And I was thinking there's there's a superpower going on over here. Right, right. You know, just communicating all of that. Yeah, exactly. So which ones do, are you guys like the happiest? With? You don't have to pick one. They're all amazing, yes, obviously. I love them but all. Yes, yeah, I totally have a favorite. What's your favorite? And I think part of it's that I used to be the motorsports editor at the magazine, but I love oh, yeah. Erica Enders, and I love, yeah, I love but I also Mad love Mad Max, the movie. This, yeah. So I was just like, this is awesome. Yes. Like, this is so cool. That was the one done by Marco Cacato, yeah, right? Marco Cicato, yeah. yeah. When we asked Marco if he could do it, he was like, I don't know, I'm really, I'm really tight on this deadline, but I could draw like a crazy car like blowing up in the distance. I'll do that. And so <laughs> these guys got really excited. Some people yeah. who didn't know sports, like me, but some people who, who knew what they were drawing, hockey fans or track and field fans um, who were excited to be drawing these things. And Marco just happened to like Cars on Fire. Yeah. Which, is that a sport? Cars on Fire? I mean, I think... Race car driving. There's extreme sports. There's a lot of time. Probably has a sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like for for example, the Olivia Quigley one was pretty. I thought it was such a cool example of sort of creative like mind melding, Mm -hmm. in that you know the the sketches that the artist has sent were pretty minimal, and that they all kind of look similar but very slight differences, and then coming back and forth about what we wanted her to do, and then. What if we added wings? Right. And then it kind of all came together. Yeah. And, um, and to see the response yeah. from her family and her community on social media, it was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, her sister wrote this incredible Facebook post about it and, you know, just capturing, you know, her spirit and yeah. giving her wings That's and great. You know, the strength yeah. of it. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. I think mine, similar to you, my roots are as an action sports editor, so I loved Chloe Kim's. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, part of what I great. loved about it was, you know, I love this idea that she was, you know, riding snow monsters, right. but I actually loved the fact fact that it was kind of hard to get her likeness right mm-hmm. um, and the fact that in the end I felt like it captured her spirit because mm-hmm. um, she is this just ridiculously smiley exuberant teenager I mean she finishes her gold medal ride at the bottom of the super pipe at the X Games and she stands at the bottom waiting for her scores like texting her friends right and like giggling yeah. and they interview her on camera and she just has those dimples and she's always smiling and so it felt like you know we had to go back and forth to make sure that in a profile shot you could still tell that you know it's a it's a young snowboard you know, writer that she's Asian, you know, can you really capture her expression and her right. features? And I just felt like you guys nailed it. And it was so much fun. Yeah, I, I yeah. assumed that it was going to be a shot kind of of just like her coming out at you as the, as the reader. But I think that's that speaks to the strengths of the Marvel artists that they think outside the box a little bit. And so without any kind of prompting, we let, let the artist know, R.B. Silva, what, what, what she could do and what she had done in her life and why she was on the list. And he turned in a shot with monsters in it, which was really fun. That's cool. And no one else had done that. That, was, that also speaks to their strength, is that there are 25 images and none of them are the exact same in yeah. any way. So. Yeah. yeah, and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to make sure that each of the artists were also diverse in, in style, too, because, I mean, it, you can't we can't paint uh, all of these, these individuals with the same paintbrush. Right? right. It would be uninteresting. Right, and we started with... We started with the ones that we thought might be a little bit tougher to nail, so like the lawyers and um, 
the, the politicians and that kind of stuff because they're a little bit more quiet. But then that allowed us yeah, to. And you kind end of up with Loretta up. Lynch, FIFA Slayer. I, who, love that. I feel like she ended up on more blog posts yeah. about this yeah. than anything else. People were so fired up right. about yeah. the way she was, you know, rendered. She, she looked great. I love that one. Yeah, yeah. Is this so, where we can say badass? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Like uh, we'll definitely make sure for those that stay at home and have not seen the covers or have aren't Googling them right now, there will be a gallery on this new story of all 25 covers. So. Yes, and we have it actually. It's on www.espnw.com slash marble. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that way, there's a really cool sort of photo slider tool that we have, and you can move back and forth to see the original pencils and then how they you know turned out in final inks. Yeah. I love that you guys did that because, I mean, it pays so much respect to the creators. Yeah. But the art transition, because that's the, not yeah. many people see all of the work that goes mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that And there was a lot of great. angst on, on the design side, um, in-house on our side, because some of them didn't match up exactly. And so it's funny because that slider <laughs> tool is so typically used to show exact one-to-one transitions. Um, so, like, you have a picture of a stadium, like, before it gets turned over for another event, and you move the slider, and then you see it when, like, yeah. everyone's going wild during the middle of the football game. You know, and on these, it, what I thought was actually really cool were the ones that were not one-to-one. Yeah, right. Where you could actually see, oh, the artist started in this place, and then you move the slider over, and it's, it's actually a completely different pose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the, the elements have been changed up. Right, and right. It was actually cool to be able to see how different it becomes in the creative mm-hmm. process. Yeah. And we got to bring in a couple new artists, too, to, mm-hmm. to Marvel, people who we had eyes on. Um, and, and who we wanted to cast for something specific, and and so this initiative was one of those things. So Elizabeth Torque came in. Um, I believe she's a Polish artist. Um, Kate Naminski, she's also a Polish artist. Mm-hmm. She came in. She did a really strong one too. But we did something similar recently with the hip hop variants, where we were casting specifically for a kind of look um, for, for for that initiative. This initiative was the same way. These are people who do Marvel quality work, but with a very specific mission statement, which was drawing these women in powerful yeah. poses. Yeah, and it gave them an opportunity to come into Marvel. Yeah, so absolutely. That's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Did you have a favorite, Ricky? Uh, I you know I really like the I, t- I yeah I think my favorite's the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it just looks like they're having a good time, and like it's really powerful, but it's also a very simple line style by Goran Suzuka. Um, yeah, I think that's my that's favorite. That's one of my favorites, too. I, I feel bad it. saying that because I like them all. Like you said, every time one came in, I was like, okay, that's my favorite. Yeah. This one looks great. I love that <laughs> so one, too. Yeah. 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 Misty Copeland's my favorite. I've said that before on the on the yeah. Car- Carrie's the podcast that we did, but that is definitely my favorite because it was so simplistic. Mm-hmm. I love Annie Wu, who's an artist. Yeah. I love Misty Copeland. I think she's amazing. Um but it had so many different layers to like the meaning behind all of like what she has accomplished. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, her color choices look really nice. Mm-hmm. So Every great. time I show that to anybody, I, f- I flip through them in the office for people so they can just see what we what we did. Every time I get to that one, everyone's like, "Wait, go back to that one." Yeah. It's really beautiful. It really yeah, is. It, really is. it really is. And it speaks to, like you said, all the layers of her story. You know, this idea. The mummy character was kind of inspired, I thought, because this idea that she's breaking free of all these constraints that she's lived under for her whole yeah. career. Yeah. And then that idea that she's literally breaking ground on point. You know, it's amazing. Right. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, all in all, pretty pretty successful. Um, it, for those of you, uh, obviously, go check out the full list um, on, uh, like I mentioned, www.espn.com. Marvel, and then hopefully we'll post ESPNW. some... ESPNW.com. Oh, sorry, ESPNW.com. Don't worry, the, the, the right Marvel. link will be on the news. I had it the first time. Yeah. I think yeah. that counts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, as you should defend your turf. That's now right. W, come on. It's all about the W. <laughs> um, and then we'll be posting it, right, on what? Instagram? 
Women of Marvel Instagram or something like that. We yeah, the Twitter. You, you, um, yeah, we should do like a series. We'll talk to Adri about doing a series of all the as we gear up for the event. Yeah. Um, where you guys choose the the number one, the top. So we're super excited about that yeah. this year because last year I mentioned we chose the woman of the year, and then this year as we were going through this whole process with you guys, we were trying to figure out well how the hell do we ever choose a woman of the year from this group this year? Right. So we're actually having the honorees vote from among their own peers and wow. as we put out the invitations for the event in February we're actually asking them to cast a vote and we're sending them all to the page to familiarize themselves with the art wow. read the bios yeah. and we're saying who would you vote for from among your fellow 25 honorees yeah. um, so it's going to be pretty exciting for us yeah. to see who they all vote for as woman of the year awesome well, that's exciting so I wanted to just take a step back and talk sort of more broader about like you know um, you know, we, we talk about women in comics all, time, all the time, and you guys are talking about women in sports, and those are, you know, traditionally male-dominated fields on both ends, which is why I think we have a lot in common. <laughs> um, but I'm curious, and Ricky, you're allowed to chime in here, listen, okay, yeah, just so you know. Hearing you say that, it's funny, because <laughs> we talked about this, not to cut you off, Yeah, we were, we were saying that over half of the, the nominees are, are, are drawn by female artists, and, and that includes colorists, too, not just the line artists. Um, but, like, ten years ago, five years ago, there weren't yeah. that many yeah. female artists working in comics. And I think it's I think it's because of stuff that, like, that you guys have done with this podcast and stuff that you've done in editorial and stuff that you do with the shows um, that make women feel more comfortable kind of stepping out and saying, hey, I have this talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're certainly empowered by, by people like Axel to reach out to, to more of those voices that maybe are underrepresented. But, like... There were still there were still like thirty or forty women that we could have gone out to if if, if the time worked out. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, this could have easily been fifty women by fifty women artists. I think which is really something Impact special. Twenty five, twenty sixteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm I'm promising yes now. <laughs> but no, I think that's I think that's worth noting is that it's a completely different um, industry right now than it was. Five, ten years and, I, and I will say, like, as an athlete, I was actually talking to my trainer this morning about, like, the reason why I stopped playing sports in high school was because I didn't see a future for myself as a female athlete. Mm-hmm. And I think that young girls growing up today, they look at, you know, the U.S. female soccer team. They look at Ronda Rousey. They look at these. They look at the female swimming teams. And there is a future. And what you guys are reporting on, and you're talking about this, and not only for those who are just who are like female fans who like football. Like I, I think I wish that I was growing up now so that I could experience this age of sports for women. I love hearing that. That is that is literally the mission of ESPNW. <laughs> yeah. You know, when Jen and I worked on early iterations of ESPNW, you know, six seven years ago, we were actually working on a girls' high school sports magazine together. And oh, cool. that was one of the yeah. things that we talked so much about was when we were coming up, there wasn't anything like that. We were creating the magazine, and now we're creating the website that we wish we had. You know, Jen, circa sophomore year volleyball player, and Allie, circa you know sophomore year basketball player. Yeah. I did the same thing. It's like I lived in the gym in high school, and I got to college, and I was supposed to play basketball. And I got there and had this, like, sort of sick awakening that I could spend six hours in the gym every day, and then at the end of college, what the hell was I going to do with it? Mm-hmm. You know, there was no next step. Right. and. I couldn't imagine what sports could bring me, you know, in the long term, other than just, you know, driveway hoops and liking what I did. Right. So finding ways to, you know, tell these stories and show girls that there's, you know, there's a path and that there are people to look up to and that there's there's more than, you know, sitting on the sidelines, mm-hmm. that, you know, you can be involved. Is, it's a huge part of our mission. 
So, like, what are what are the challenges for you guys in terms of building that awareness, right? I mean, obviously, ESPNW, I think, is sort of created to cultivate that engagement, as say, same that we've done sort of with Women of Marvel initiatives here. But I guess what what are challenges that you, are you guys are facing in terms of one breaking those stereotypes and the the, the traditional norm that men only men are interested in sports, um, and how are you guys trying to sort of um, I guess uh, challenge the idea that women in sports or women loving sports have to be kept in one particular area, right? Because it's sort of, I feel like it's a double-edged sword. Like you talk about, we have to create this space for, for these women, but at the same time, we can't necessarily marginalize them. We have to kind of bring them into the mainstream. So how, how are you guys dealing with that, or, or what are the challenges that you guys are dealing with? How do we deal with that? <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, it's it's interesting that you say kind of like cordoned off in a way. Uh, ESPNW is sort of like a doorway for people to come in yeah. who may not who may not have familiarity with sports or be kind of someone that already visits ESPN.com. But even for women and men who go to ESPN.com, uh, what we're striving to do is not only cover women's sports in a way equal to how men's sports are covered, because a lot of times that just doesn't happen, you know, because they're um, whether, you know, it's just the visibility of it, we talk about that. Um, and then also sort of talk to, like, talk to women, talk to people about um, and highlight stories that, and kind of surface stories that you may not know about. Because, um, and that's kind of the tough thing, right? Because a lot of times, you know, ESPN.com is a juggernaut. And so our challenge is to kind of find those stories that will kind of rise to the surface and really kind of engage people and see that women are out there doing things Mm -hmm. and not just women's sports, but women in sports. And a lot of our list, you know, were people who are making an impact that didn't necessarily have a super strong connection to like being on the field. Um, So I think that's our challenge is that, you know, kind of bring visibility to a lot of the stories that you may. And a lot of times you're, you're searching for those stories too, because just in media in general, Mm-hmm. Two doesn't cover women in a yeah. really significant way all the time, yeah. and not just sports media, you know. So it's right. kind of, I think this the same issue that people are dealing with with like racial diversity, right? Sure. So a lot of times you're not hearing about, you know, except for, you know the binary of black and white. Sometimes ever, the whole other groups get left out. Right. So I think women kind of fall into that category where we're really trying to just sort of give greater visibility within not only sports media, but, you know, kind of within media of women and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the question you asked about what the challenges are, is an, it's an interesting one, because I think there's there's a business and marketplace challenge that we face, you know, as we're trying to, you know, bridge what I think is a generational shift happening right now. You know, I think girls growing up right now don't think there's ever been a world where they don't play sports and where there isn't yeah. a future, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's like the adults who are making the financial decisions um, haven't quite caught up to right. where that younger generation is. So in terms of the business challenges we face, you know, not a lot of companies out there have a sports budget for women. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of these things where you know we're doing constant evangelizing with brands that advertise and yeah. market and create products and all these kinds of things to remind them you know, that women self-identify, for 48, 49% mm-hmm. of women self-identify as avid sports fans. Um, you know, half the audience for NFL, Monday Night Football, 
um, is female. Um, you Those know, are the same number of numbers for women, like in comics. Exactly, yeah. same number. And yeah. it's, I mean, it's fascinating. You know, the U.S. Women's yeah. National Team. We're talking about how much we loved that cover for mm-hmm. this project, and you know, the the championship T-shirts to celebrate their World Cup win were sold out in minutes after you know the win. And it's not necessarily because the demand was so high that they went that fast. It was because yeah. not very many were printed. Right. Um, and you know, you hear constantly, "Is there a market for things related to women and yeah. sports?" And there's a piece to me that really feels like we haven't even gotten to the point yet where we're producing enough material to even know what the size of that market is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that that transition's happening. So that's one of the challenges we face just in the, you know, in the business marketplace. Yeah. And then I think internally it's a lot of, and by internally I mean at ESPN, but also just in the media landscape. It's a lot of what Jen was talking about. Um, you know, I think there's a larger conversation in literature and storytelling. I'm sure you guys encounter this where when you're talking about the atypical character. So in our world, it would be, you know, whenever I hear the phrase, the general sports fan, if you were to survey any given room of people at ESPN, if you say the phrase general sports fan, you know, I wish I could just sort of reach into people's brains and know, like, what's the image, the mental image that they have at that time? Because, like, nobody will really say it, but what you're thinking is, you know, your typical guy, most likely a white guy, who's sitting on a couch, who's watching sports, right? But we know, you know, from all these metrics that the general sports fan, at least half of those people are women. Mm -hmm. And we're just not speaking to them. So it's funny how a big part of what we do is how do you find those stories that might actually appeal and relate to any person out there? But if you choose to make a woman the central focus of it, you know, when we ran a World Series personal essay about somebody who was so passionate about the fact that their team, you know, was finally in the World Series and they felt so passionate about it that even though they knew they couldn't get tickets, they just had to get home to Kansas City to be with their best friend and just experience the city. Mm -hmm. If I were to ask you, like, who's that person in your head? You would never think it was a 36-year-old woman who, you know, left her job that day and just road trip to go meet her best friend in Kansas City and sit at a bar because she just had to watch her team. Right. You know, and, and a pretty girly woman at that. You know, not like, you know, she's was running, she's actually joining us as a senior editor, so I'm really excited. But <laughs> but this is, you know, this is a woman who was running, um, you know, a magazine that did a lot about, like, architecture and home decorating and interior design for, you know, southern families. Right. Um, she was running a magazine called Invitation Oxford. And for most people at our company or in the world at large, if you were to put that description of a person and overlay it on personal essay about obsessive, you know, Kansas City Royals fandom, yeah. you wouldn't think that those are the same person. Yeah. And so part of our challenge is how do we get people to start thinking about all sorts of women when you imagine what the sports landscape looks like? I mean, I think the stereotypical shape or form, and even in the comic world, is sort of the same thing. Like, this identity that we, as as Americans, and think of what a person, like a sports person, is supposed to be like, who a hockey fan is, is the stereotypical type of person. But then you go to a hockey game, and there are as many women yeah. wearing jerseys with, you know, face paint. I mean, I, I think that it's just, we need to change the, the subject of what that norm is, or get rid of the norm yeah. yeah, and that's something that we're trying to do, too, is, like, you go to a, con- a Comic-Con, you go to a convention, and everyone's like, oh, you're going to see, like, comic book guy there, and it's not. Right. It's a completely different... The, the general comics fan um, is is so varied and so diverse and unique, and I, what you're saying, like, resonates with me so much. I'm, like, I'm sitting here and smiling because, you know, having you guys talk about 
how to start dispelling that myth of, of the general like sports fan and for us the general comics fan and I think that is really comes with the storytelling and reminding people that you you have to tell these these distinct and diverse stories and it's so important to talk about the miss the the, the underrepresented um, you know fan or individual uh, because that's the only way you start to destroy those 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 expectations and those stereotypes and whatnot. But I love that there is so much similarity on on, on both sides because it's truly such a universal struggle. It is. Um, yeah, it is. Which is just just it's, fantastic. It's about yeah. giving voices to those who may not necessarily have a voice. Mm-hmm. I that's what always for me what this podcast is all about is that like I don't do anything with comics. Uh, I work with the website and that like when people want to work at Marvel they think oh I have to be a comic creator or an editor. I'm like no you don't. You right. don't. There are plenty of jobs where you could do you could be a lawyer. You could manage contracts. You could do HR and still work for this company and 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 fit your dream, whatever your dream is. I love that you say that. You know, one of my first projects that I worked on at ESPN the magazine when I was at the magazine years ago was how to get your dream job in sports. And it came about because I got this job as an editor there, and it was like every guy that I was friends with from high school came out of right. the woodwork. Yeah. Most of them sending me notes that said, "How did you get a job at ESPN?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and this one friend of mine, you know, he'd been on the practice squad for like the Notre Dame basketball team and he was like a crazy fan always wanted to be a coach and he sent me this email I'll never forget this and he was like I am running spreadsheets for pension plans at Sherwin-Williams Paint how, how do you get to work at ESPN and I wrote back and I was like you could be running pension plans for the NBA right. yeah. and no one ever said that you could only be a financial guy you know for paint company yeah. like there's yeah. a lot of sports leagues there's a lot of sports related companies yeah. and I ended up talking to our executive editor at the time who said let's let's do a package on that let's find out about all these other roles that you could have where you can touch that thing that you love awesome. even if you're not you know playing the sport or coaching mm-hmm. the sport yeah well speaking of trying to get more women involved uh, into our fold um, Ricky yes uh, is is sort of the man to get in touch with if you want to try to get at least some like creative work at Marvel. Yeah. My inbox just yes. lit up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of engagement. <laughs> just before Christmas. Yes. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. I have to go. What's your, what's your recommendation? What's your advice to people trying to break in? Um, I think, so Marvel, at most conventions, Marvel has a panel called Breaking Into Comics, The Marvel Way. I think you guys have both been on it before, right? Yes, yeah. I have. And, and so at that panel, it's, it's usually a Marvel employee plus... Um, working professionals and we talk about just our stories about how to break into comics and everybody's story is completely different Um, and Devin Grayson uh, this female writer said back in the day that breaking into comics is like breaking out of jail like as soon as we figure out how you did it we board it up so that no one else can do the same thing again (laughs) and it's true because no two stories are exactly the same but um, you have to be creative in how you how you break in and one of the great ways to do it is to go to those shows and introduce yourself to people who work at the different companies and I, I never wanted to work in comics to write or draw comics. I, I just wanted to work in comics. So uh, there are people who do those jobs all day long here. Um, this office is full of them. So go to the conventions. Talk to any editorial people you can. Go online. Most of us have uh, social media presences. Um, you can literally cold email me, and I can give you sample scripts, um, no matter what your gender is or your race. And and we work together on making you a stronger Marvel storyteller. Um, and so not everybody is a Marvel-ready um, artist, but um, comics is such a big place that there's uh, there's room for a lot of different voices. So that's the thing to remember, too. Even if you don't draw, like, Todd McFarland or Steve McNiven or Mike Diodato or 
Natasha Bustos. Um, there's still places in comics to get published and, and places for your voice. Um, so, yeah, just reach out to us through social media. I'm on Twitter. You can email me. What's my, your Twitter? Uh, my email is rperdon at marvel.com. What are you doing? You can just email me if you want and, oh, wow. and, and send me your stuff and we can go from there. The floodgates are officially I know. It's amazing. Oh, He's going on vacation. Damn, yeah. God. Yeah. You have to do something to replace the 400 emails a day yeah, you're getting yeah, from exactly. us. <laughs> yeah. I, when I first started, I was only getting like 20 or 30 a day and now I'm getting like hundreds a day and yeah. it's like, well, okay, I'll just let it wash over me. Like eventually I'll get to them all. But, and I do. I, by the way, I get to all of them. So if you email, I'll, I'll get back to you. But and this is a universal thing. Like we we just went to Brazil for a show, and um, I had just as many female writers and artists w- walk up to me after the show, after the, the break into comics panel, who just wanted to meet and talk and see how they could break into American comics. So um, that's really there cool. Are people doing it now, just do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really about kind of sharing the fact that this is an open space and a safe space for you know people who might not think that this is for them or that they're not allowed in sure um and so we're just trying to 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 open those gates and make them feel comfortable and then you will greet uh ricky at the the front entrance (laughs) how did you guys all break in Oh. <laughs> I've told my softball story so, many days, which is sort of appropriate for this, but I was interning here at Marvel 10 years ago, uh, and uh, they needed a girl for the softball team that day. And they walked by my boss's office, and they were like, is that a girl? And they like, called my boss, and they were like, who's that in your office? Yeah. And uh, I happened to be a softball player of, of eight years, and showed up and made friends with uh, with my team and it, at the time we had uh, the CFO would sometimes play with us which was sort of man crazy. the power of sports right uh, yeah. and I found out there was a uh, we would we would go out drinking after and I found out there was a temp gig in licensing and that's where I started and 10 years later uh, uh, sadly uh, the softball team I don't actually know if they still play anymore we used to have a Marvel DC game uh, yeah. I, that's how, that's where I met Ricky that's where we met yeah and we played against each other and we wiped the floor with yeah them. you guys did <laughs> every year well, did you poach Ricky from DC yeah from the softball teams no I played one <laughs> and I rode that bitch so hard it was great I, at, the, at those softball games too like editor in chiefs will show up VPs will show up it's crazy and then the after, afterwards having drinks and stuff like just networking and talking is, yeah. is wild I mean I always say networking is so important like that's really that's that's yeah. not only where I got my job my, do- my dad is always like you got your job because it's softball you should thank me because he always <laughs> forced me to go to practice but like I think that really I got my job because I went out with them yeah. and I talked to them the power of alcohol. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. I was my same thing with me. I was working at a small indie comics company, and then you just meet people in the industry. And I met a bunch of Marvel folks, and ended up getting a job uh, a, a little a little while after that. Um, but this has been really fantastic. Yeah. I feel very yeah. much. We'll continue this conversation where we can actually curse and say more lewd things yes. at dinner. Right. Can't wait. Yeah. Yes. Um, everyone's invited? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> everyone's, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just you guys. I mean, by the time this podcast will be alive, we'll already be done with right, it. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we want to thank uh, both you ladies for joining us and Ricky. Yeah. This has thank been you. amazing. Thanks um, for having us. Yeah. Uh, look for uh, the uh, Impact 25 main woman. What is the title that you... Our Impact 25 Woman of the Year. There we go. Woman of the Year. Yes. Um, which will be coming out in February? That's right. February 25th we'll be announcing Woman of the Year. I'm excited. Me too. I can't wait to find yeah. out who it is. Stay tuned for that. Um, we are going on a slight vacation for two weeks for the holidays. 
Uh, so we will not be back till uh, January 8th. But when we are back, we have our first Agent Carter podcast with Haley Atwell. Uh, as always, if you guys have questions for us, you can email us at womanof at marvel.com or tweet at marvel hashtag womanofmarvel. We will check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe.